Hello. Before you listen to this podcast, we have to let you know it comes with a trigger warning. This is a true crime episode and we do talk in quite gruesome and graphic detail about crimes committed um, by certain serial killers. So if you don't want to listen to that, please skip this podcast and listen to one of our brilliant previous ones that are a lot less gruesome. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Abby, how are you? I am very well. How are you, Jenny? I'm good. What are we doing? True crime. Oh, yes. This is the No One Asked podcast, and today we're going to talk about the mysteries of true crime and why we watch it, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Our obsession. The, the world's obsession. I, I don't know if it's worldwide. I think it's worldwide. I think it's uh, they, they've actually said it's more common for females to be interested in true crime than males. Yes, I, yeah. I have some interesting um, information on the psychology behind that. Do you? Okay, before we get into research or whatever that we've been doing, and it will obviously be influenced, do you watch true crime? In what format? I don't watch true crime. And... I was thinking about this a lot in the lead up to this podcast and I realized that because I've said to you that I don't like true crime, that I find it really disturbing, I don't like to consume it um, and yet you know that I'm a massive horror fan. Mm. Like I will literally read Stephen King in bed at night before I fall asleep. Um, I love horror movies but I've always said that I, the reason I like it is because um, I know it's not real so it gives me kind of control over my fear. Um but when I was thinking about true crime and in the lead up to doing some research for this podcast, I realized that actually I do consume a lot of true crime, but I read about it. I don't watch any TV series, but I read about it quite obsessively. Sometimes when there's a topic that piques my interest, then I'll really go deep down the rabbit hole. It is interesting, isn't it? Because in that sense, we were the polar opposite in I am such a scaredy cat. I mean, I... I don't know what film this was in. Um, this was describing. There was some film that's coming out that has been so frightening for people that they're vomiting and fainting in cinemas. And I know that that gets some people super excited about wanting to go and see what this horror film is about. But I'm like, why would you do that? And I've always had this opinion that the world is scary enough. Why do I need to watch fake horror to be scared? Like, so it's funny because we kind of live our lives in, in sort of polar opposite manners of like, you'll read it because you can control the fear by saying it's not real. Therefore I'm fine. And I watch the real stuff and therefore don't want the fake stuff. Cause I'm like, the real stuff is like scary enough. It's I don't scary enough. Makeup stuff. But I'm of the thing. And, and you know this about me. I'm kind of like this in life in general of like, if I know or I think I know what's happening. There's some element of control in it for me. Uh, and I think that might be, and I'm guessing because I haven't done that side of the research you have. My guess would be that that's where watching or listening or reading true crime and knowing all of the details down to every gory, horrible one. There's some kind of comfort in the in the control of, well, I, I know, or or also trying to understand it. 
I think trying to make sense of things is a real human condition, isn't it? We have to try and understand people. And sometimes I find myself noticing how often I will say, I don't understand that. Or like, I cannot get my head around that. Or, and this is in relation to obviously things in life, particularly around murders. Um, And there's, there's, there's a lot since the media can give us so many nowadays that you kind of listen to and you go, I cannot get my head around that. And for some reason, finding out every detail, it's almost like that protection, being able to understand something if it does happen. I mean, I'll be honest now, I went through a phase in my life where I read so much death row books, like books about people on death row, books about people being set up for murder. I actually convinced myself that I thought maybe I was a serial killer that hadn't killed anyone yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, I thought there's something I'd kind of gone so deep into it that I was like, oh, my God, I think this is what's wrong with me. And here's the thing. I don't think I'm wrong. Not in the sense of I'm going to start killing people. I don't think any of us are that far away from it or are as far away as we would like to believe. And so trying to understand that, I suppose, is that bit that says maybe I'll be able to control it or maybe I'll be able to understand it. We're going to have to dump this recording and redo it, Jen, because if you ever, like, accidentally kill someone, the police are going to go back over this. You know, there's going to be people like, yeah, she did a podcast saying that she could be a murderer or a serial killer. They're going to go back and be like, see, it was premeditated. Yeah. And now there and she is, no she woke podcast. up and she accidentally killed her best mate and the one in the podcast. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm so glad we're in different countries right now. Right now It's interesting, are. though, you say that because I think that I'm guessing that's a common thing because you consume it and then you think, am I a sicko for consuming this? And I thought about this as well mm-hmm. because of my absolute love for horror. Um, yeah, I thought like, about that. Is there something wrong you? with me? Yeah, I'm sure you did. Thank you very much for that. But <laughs> my research, me, this research I did earlier, and by research I mean like I read one article um, <laughs> and like BBC Focus. Oh, at least it was BBC. But it was very reassuring. Very brow, darling. <laughs> of course. It wasn't fucking Reddit. It was Reddit. very reassuring. But do you know what? Well, this is the thing. Reddit is really... Term- I don't know if you were exposed to this, but as a preteen and a kid in like the Wild West days of the internet, um, there were some websites that were really horrible. I'm talking real life gore um, and autopsy pictures, really, really horrible stuff. And this would go around my school. Um, not, Not in the school itself, but like kids would be sharing this stuff. And it was horrible. And in the early days of Reddit as well, it was everywhere. And I thought because I'd seen some of this stuff, I would become desensitized to it. Um, And that was a kind of scary thought as well. But as I've got older, it hasn't been the case at all. There are some images that just stuck in my brain, so vivid and so disturbing that it just really put me off of kind of consuming it by choice anything obviously you're not seeing gory details but hearing these stories and i don't know that's a kind of disturbing thing to do as a kid but it was massive like in our generation i i think it will and i i'd love to at some point um 
hear back from anyone that's listening that might be a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychotherapist that has experiences of of studying this or or um, criminal psychologists particularly. I think there's something to do with the confirmation bias and the negativity bias that we have in hum- in our in our brain that says basically if I confirm that the world and this is yeah. a very very simplistic way of doing it I'm breaking this down I'm I'm not an expert in any of this stuff so please forgive me if I get it arse ways but it's that idea my understanding of it is that it's it if I see something that's really bad it <laughs> confirms to me that the world is a bad place therefore I need to be really careful in it Um, so it's that sort of security mechanism that fires and goes see I told you I told you you can't trust that person this person or I told you that humans are monsters or I told you that the world is a really dark place or I told you that if we go out late at night we're going to get killed Uh, I think we need to feed some part of that um, but also I feel like there's some part of that that also bounces into it. If I if I understand it, maybe I can stop it happening. I think potentially <coughs> it's the opposite of sickness. I think potentially it's it's not so much the sick head. It's actually a healthy mind trying to make sense of. However, I will say this: with my mind and my own journey, that is, I, I it is I don't think very different to anybody else's when it comes to how you're feeling in your own head. I'm very aware that I will have I have to take breaks. I have to take pauses. I can watch this stuff and I can feel fine about it. And then it just depends and it depends on so many factors that I couldn't narrow it down, but now I've just got it to a place where I know the feeling. I know if I'm going to be able to watch something like that or I have to give it a break for a bit. And it only happened recently around Yeah, because you've been watching the, the Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix series, which apparently is now the most watched Netflix uh, production ever. That does not and, surprise me, considering right. the amount of TikToks I see um, around it, like about it and spoofs as well. Have you seen the TikTok videos where people are uh, doing the, if Jeffrey Dahmer were like, whatever, and then there's no. play acting like trying to, I mean they're funny and I feel bad for laughing at them because because of the subject matter but basically people do these different like they set it up um say like if if Jeffrey Dahmer were OCD or something and there's loads of different ones and then they act out this whole scenario in which somebody's they've invited someone to the house and then they try to drug them and then they try to feed them a, like a human flesh sandwich Right? Sounds horrific. It is hilarious. <laughs> but there's a lot of them. A lot of people are watching it, right? A lot of not. people are watching it. A lot of people are, are... It's hard to watch. It's very... I will say this. It's very well done in terms of... And, and I believe that there's been a ton of complaints about it. And, and understandably so from the people affected. Because there's been a lot of sort of victims families complaining and saying why would you make this it's just re-triggered and it's just brought all of it up and and I appreciate that I I mean I can't I couldn't even begin to imagine what it would be like in their shoes the story around and the amount of 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 video footage they have of this guy again we want to try and understand these things the acting is phenomenal 
I mean, it's just brilliant to watch that side of it and, and try and figure out. I, I can't imagine as an actor watching an actor play that, how difficult it is to, to play that part because it's hard enough to play someone who really existed. When you're playing someone who really existed, that was an absolute monster. That trying to trying to maintain, create and and manage the reality and also the human side because there's not one serial killer that didn't have a human side because they quite frankly were human. But what I mean by the human side is that, that they were once a child, something went very wrong. There's there's loads of and no point in getting into and probably we'll we'll dip our toe in in the what change, but it's really hard when you have to create a character that is so monstrous, but you also have to have empathy and kindness for. And also as an actor, when you're playing a character, you obviously have to love that character. And I think that must be the most challenging part of it for actors who play horrible people, because when you think about it, we might hate ourselves, but we agree with ourselves. You know, we do the things that we do, even if, we don't get why we do them or whatever. We can kind of figure out and justify within ourselves. We know that bit or we can we can unravel that bit. When you play a character, you've got to get into that place where it's like, I I don't know Live why I do what I do, but I believe even if it's delusion, even if it's absolutely wrong, even if it's like destroying my life and those of others, whatever we do, we we, we are in a place where we're justifying it because that's why we're doing it. To get there, I can, yeah, and I can imagine another challenge thinking about it would be respect for the families of the victims and trying mm. to sort of stay true without glamorizing or romanticizing, which isn't so much the job of the actor. But I was wondering, um, do you think that the series, the Jeffrey Dahmer um, dramatization, does romanticize it at all i haven't watched it so i couldn't possibly comment i haven't watched the whole thing i'm halfway through watched um i think i'm halfway through i'm not actually sure how many episodes there are i think i'm six in so i might be further along than half i i understand what you're saying because i think it's really hard to tackle any sort of real time events um and 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 life changing traumatic events without almost indulging in them i don't feel like this does and i okay. think what it what it has done for me so far is there are moments where you really really do not want to like this guy you really don't want to understand him you really don't want to be able to find any kind of compassion because what he did to to the the men he killed and 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 their families in in trying to come to terms with how how you could possibly do that like he killed people and ate them you know he he didn't just kill people he kept them he kept their heads he kept pieces of their bodies he like horrendous stuff you do end up feeling a bit a bit like you can find understanding because you can also end up finding understanding for his family. The pain is is so different for so many different reasons, but his family were also innocent. His family were also majorly yeah. affected by the realisation of, and there's this, this very powerful scene where the father is told 
and you see him unravel and then it begins this story of of why he's unraveling because what he did to try and save him now becomes the thing that he wishes he hadn't done because by trying to keep him here he enabled him or at least that's the was that with the, that's um, the <clears throat> teaching him all about the uh the preserving he did taxidermy with him yeah yeah the pain knowing that you'd sparked that interest at least or, or you know in some way contributed to that when it was something that you were sharing with your child because it was a way that you could connect with them and they were showing interest in something that you did and you knew exactly exactly and and all it was was finally finding that one thing that the, the kid was interested in doing with you or spending time with you over or it was science you know it was it was anatomy as far as he was concerned it was teaching him things that he was interested in and had a career in so this was brilliant and then there was lots of other times where I think Dharma tried to talk I think he tried to say there's something really wrong with me I think people didn't want to hear it you know that thing we talk about like be kind and if you can be anything be kind and if you can be I mean, this is really, really hard to apply when it comes to people that kill people. But something happens in that system, you know, something happens in that very, I don't believe that you or I are exempt from the possibility of ever losing our mind and killing someone. I just don't. That's, that's not, I, I don't think it's impossible for anybody. Um, because no. I think we underestimate mental health and the power of it and how easy it is to break and how little it can take because it's the it's the kind of overload effect um i think anybody can be tipped over i think anybody can be conditioned i think anybody's mind can be manipulated into believing that this is either the right thing to do or that there's just that split second where that decision is made yeah but, i could apply it even without all of the conditioning or without um you know, any sort of mental health issues being involved because I could easily see a scenario in which I could end up, you know, being that person, not a serial killer for sure, but, you know, killing someone if it mm -hmm. were to do with my kids. If somebody had, you know, seriously mm -hmm. hurt or, God forbid, I don't like to think about it, but, you know, yeah, really, really harmed my children, then I could totally, I think any parent can envisage that um obviously it's what we're talking about is entirely different to um somebody who who gets a great deal of of pleasure or some sort of gratification from systematically killing people yes um, I think it's, you know, there's a, there's a world of difference between oh absolutely well it, there isn't there isn't and the reason why I'm comparing the Yes, but it's still your head. It's still something going, right? It's still it's still a a moment something where snapping. I feel like it is. Yeah, I feel like I, I don't know. I haven't experienced it, thankfully. Um, I've definitely experienced moments where something goes in my head and I go into rage or upset. Yeah, or, me too. Like my temper goes. So I think that's possibly why I compare it to that moment that you feel like there's a snap, and I I think that's the description that most of us use that would lead to if, if that snap didn't happen and it wasn't a, like a crime of passion as you described 
I mean, is it is it possible? Is it? Of course, it's possible that somebody could be born with with that snap having already taken place, or with their sensory system wired wrong, with something about their system wired wrong. My system's wired wrong. <laughs> true story. It's why my mental health. It's something I have to watch quite carefully and, and and drinking and substance and anything else and all that abuse has existed in my life because something's wired differently. You know, yeah. could, I could argue to look I out. I can relate longer, to that. Right. About whether or mm. not that or what way that works or whatever. But all that I can tell you is that's what I believe in my heart um, because I can tell you now nothing about the way I lived my life was a choice. I can tell you now that nothing about my life did I believe that I had a choice at a time where most people would have probably looked at me or some people would have looked at me and said, just don't do it, you know. So from that respect, I have to I have to honour the bit that of me that says. I feel for this guy who's going, I don't know why I'm like this and I can't stop. Yeah, it doesn't make the victims' families or the the things he did right or okay in any way in my mind. But I also feel sorry for him and any serial killer because there is something seriously wrong, and they have to live with that. I think it's very uncomfortable to be in that place because uh, yeah. I've also been there, where you learn about um, a serial killer, and then. Um, you know, you read in about their crimes, you hear about their crimes on the news, more information comes out about them, you learn more about them as a person and as a character. And then, you know, for me, it's hearing about their childhoods that always gets me. I don't remember who it was, unfortunately. It would have been good to look this up before we started filming a podcast on true crime. But <laughs> I only just remembered there was one particular prolific serial killer his crimes were were horrendous, just disgusting. And he targeted children, which is something I have zero tolerance for. It makes me feel physically sick to think about anything. I don't like to read about children being harmed. However, this guy's childhood was extremely traumatic mm. and hearing about it made me feel deeply sad. Um, you know, he'd been, he, he was locked in a, in a dark cupboard a lot as a young child as punishment. Lots of horrible abuse directed towards him. And, you know, that does not in any way take away from the severity and the awfulness of the crimes he committed as an adult. But I can still feel deep sympathy and sadness for what he experienced as a child, which mm -hmm. led to that. You know, you can separate that the innocent child who was a victim from the adult who was the perpetrator. And you can understand why. And again, it doesn't make anything that he did right. It was horrific and he, is a, he was an awful, awful person. But it's very sad why he became that person. I think there's a lot of time there are these stories behind, you know, people, I think, for the most part, aren't just born complete nutters. Like shit shapes them. Do you think that? Or do you think that there's something wrong from birth? I mean, I don't know, but I think a lot of it is environment. But then this is a whole different question. I mean, we're getting into nurture, nurture versus nature now. 
I don't know, maybe a combination. But a lot of them, right, you read about these uh, these killers and, and they often seem to have a kind of messed up childhood. Big Not time. always, but often. Well, I'd go so far as to say that all of them, in one way or another, you'll you'll thread it back and you'll find something. Because this is where I would go on to say it's it's nurture. That it's not that it doesn't exist, but again, then I would I would fall into the spiral. And and this is like one of those kind of conversations that you feel it's funny to record a podcast doing this because I couldn't feel further from knowledgeable or um, with answers to any of these. It's just like literally trying to figure it out while there's a microphone in front of me. I'm like, I would fall down the spiral then of thinking, well would that not be true of all of us? Are we not all born with possible cogs that could be turned like a sprained ankle? We talk about the comparison between sprain yeah. and an ankle and mental health. So like, of course, something can happen that can hurt your brain. Does that then lead to a direction with a sprained ankle that, the ankle that you end up then with with scar tissue that would make it weaker, that you then go on to a break, that you then go on to a break that would cut off like, and then end up having to get your foot amputated? Like, If we use that analogy... Is it not possible that all of us can lead down a direction of 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 lots of unfortunate events? Um, yeah, I think so. That we but can lose think, our mind. Yeah, for sure. But I also think that there are, you know, there's loads of people, the majority of people, who have had traumatic childhoods and have not gone on to be serial killers. But Yeah, know. but they've gone on to have something apps. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is stuff that, you know, you work through. Of course, we know that having trauma in your childhood often leads to mental health issues as adulthood, which, you know, you work through um, and you deal with or you don't. Some people better than others. Uh, some people can't deal with it. But the percentage of those people who, who end up being serial killers is... Thankfully, I mean, very low. Yeah. Yeah, yes, luckily, thankfully. luckily, because if we look at the amount of people that unfortunately have some kind of trauma, if they all became then it'd serial be like killers, the purge. there would just yeah. The pur- although I do wonder that film in itself. Now here we go. Right, are they they're serial killers because they kill every year? If the purge existed in real life, would you participate or would you hide? I would fucking hide. I would have my family. You are bunker. such a liar. You are such I a liar. Not. I would you are hide. a liar. I've I, about you're this. lying. <laughs> I'm not lying. Why you would be out with a gun. No, I wouldn't. I'm joking. I hate I killing. I hate killing. I hate war. I hate. I hate I violence. I know. But when you think kids, about it, how like prepared to die? Uh, right. I know you're not lying. Um, it was just funnier to do it that way. <laughs> I would be hiding in the house with you, in fairness. However, you would be. You'd bring I, snacks. 100% be hiding and battening down the hatches and minding everybody. And I'd probably be crying and petrified because I, I have, um, I'm like a minstrel, the hard exterior. Minstrels aren't soft. Why does this a minstrel happen? for a minute there? <laughs> like you'd be down with your little uh, sitar. Why just like as soon as the microphone comes on, I just lose brain cells. I don't know what happens. Um, I don't think so. I think you you're very eloquent. Oh, thanks very much. But we would be hiding. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'd probably, possibly, maybe have a list of people that I would give to someone else. (laughs) 
Bye. <laughs>
instinctual for us to consume true crime. It's also kind of beneficial um, because we learn all these strategies for avoiding being murdered. Yeah, but I also feel like that can be taken too far. And again, this is where the take a break comes into it because you can go around assuming, and this has happened to me, you go around assuming everyone is a murderer or every situation. What did you send me recently? You sent me a thing where a girl gets into a car and the and says on her, I think it was a TikTok and she's like, the guy in the shop just asked me if I'd like a receipt and I was, I'm watching so much true crime lately that I was like, yes, I do want a receipt because that will be an alibi. It will say the time <laughs> on it. And I'm thinking, an alibi for what? But don't you think as a, uh... Do you not find that as a woman, you're quite alert, like more than maybe would be necessary anyway? Because I, I think about that stuff a lot. Like I absorb anything I can find on self-defense as a woman mm. and body language and behaviors you can do to uh, <clears throat> put off potential attackers. Like when I'm walking down the streets of London, I do this whole thing with my my stance where I kind of make myself big. I will literally walk with my arms held out as if I have like watermelons under my armpits and chest out, head straight forward, quite a wide stance and broad steps. And I look at people around me just to say, I've clocked that you're there Mm. so that I look less like the milky bar kid and more like an intimidating I am going to do a split picture of that. Abby is the absolute image of the Milky Bar kid. Um, So you say. Go on, say it. Say it just once and then they can see. No. Go on, once. What is it? The Milky Bars are on me. Milky Bars are on me. Go on, say it with feeling, will you? Go on, little kid. Milky Bars are on me. See, image. Absolute image. (laughs) I... You've just reminded me now and walking through London and making yourself bigger and, and looking at people like we're taught how to do these things to try and make ourselves seem harder or don't mess with or whatever. And then we're also criticized for when we come across aggressive, you know, yeah. yeah, this funny thing where you're like, I'm doing this thing to protect myself. I'm learning this thing to protect myself. But then also I'm not supposed to be that because protecting myself or coming across hard or hardened or capable or is is not a good thing either it's not feminine so there's all these contradictions that go against each other and I remember uh I won't go into the details because it's too long but basically I ended up with police in my house very early on in London five weeks in we hadn't done anything wrong uh we were assisting them in something that was going on with the neighbors but i remember feeling very frightened and and saying something to the the policeman along the lines of it was like four o'clock in the morning i'd been woken up i was half asleep i was i was i was freaked by the whole thing and i remember saying like is pepper spray illegal here and he was like yeah it is but do you want my advice go to boots and buy mini deodorants and put them in your pockets, in your jacket pockets. He's like, walk around with them. And then he said, if anything, hopefully it won't. But if anything happens to you and you spray someone with a mini deodorant or a mini hairspray, they're going to think it's pepper spray for long enough and it will sting for just long enough for you to be able to get away. And I did that for the entire time. 
And sometimes now I'll go buy mini mini deodorants or mini hairsprays and think I should stock up on a few of them and, and that's yeah. what I do. Or keys in your hand is another one. And, and this whole discussion... I feel like... Do you know what it'd be This isn't actually something that's ever officially given to women or at least it wasn't for me i don't know whether others have experienced you really to have someone and it do shouldn't exist that would be awesome and it shouldn't exist that we as women in particular need this advice to protect ourselves obviously <clears throat> like the whole system is wrong but i don't ever remember getting this official advice what i did have was a very a uh, grandfather who was a very colorful character who wanted to obtain and was able to obtain um, a very illegal weapon that he wanted me to carry. No way. To protect myself. It didn't happen because <laughs> my parents got involved. And was like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, we're going to say no there, but thank you so much. But he really wanted to, you know, wanted me to literally physically be armed. Right. Okay. That's so nice. That's so It's thoughtful. very, very we're, sweet. We're going to say, gonna say now. <laughs> you, Abby was also uh, uh, raised in the countryside more so with influences of city, but I think it's possibly uh My family to add were from the city in, originally. From the city, but you were in, you were in the countryside. So it was yeah. like kind of farmer's lands. So you yes. can understand why you were being handed something to go. You're going out walking in dark fields or whatever, or out on your bike or whatnot. It- I'm not going to go into any details. My grandfather is dead, so he is safe. But, like, this was dodgy black market shit. Fabulous. And and here's me thinking I was cool with my fucking hairspray. I inadvertently themed my serial killer trivia around killers who ate their victims, which is really, really gruesome. And no. it was totally unintentional. But it's a thing. Again, illness with a name on it, isn't there? Darmer had one. Um, the the psychiatrist named it. I actually did look it up. Hang on. His, his, hybristophilia. Hybristophilia? Hybristophilia? And it's the idea of having your pleasure sensors closely linked in your brain to organs and in, in innards is sexually arousing. Do you mean the sensation of having, like eating, like the food, or do you mean the somebody else's the organs being arousing? So, somebody else's, as in, basically, this psychiatrist was explaining to Dharma that the name, the the name for his illness was hybristophilia, and hybristophilia or hybristophilia basically is where the pleasure sensors are connected to and this is where like again they do all these studies on all of these people that have warped thinking because they they literally have warped thinking when they they look at the the way their brains are wired for want of a better phrase and his is basically that the inside of these animals when he started doing it with his with his father 
or the inside of a human, that shiny, glistening um, part of an organ. It was so closely linked to his sexual arousal. And that's how he ended up leading on to eating them as well. That it was like, but like, Abby, what would you do? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so, I, I'd love to say I just would never, ever do that. But you, you're all, me- like, he's all messed up. He's all warped and twisted and whatever. And he thinks that this is pleasure. I think I could safely say, some- quite confidently say that I could never eat someone unless, actually, no, I cannot I cannot confidently say that because were I like shipwrecked on a desert island and my only food source were like the my fellow passengers who were shipwrecked with me, then you know it's dog eat dog. So in that sense, you can you can rationalize it and fix it for yourself. But what if these people who have this kind of warped thinking are rationalizing it for the same reason and what yeah. for whatever for whatever way? And a lot of the serial killers, some of them. <clears throat> Some of them, there's there's reasoning behind, there's patterns too. Jeffrey Dahmer had a body type, didn't he? Like there was Did a he? specific um, body type he looked for in his victims. What he was that? pick people out based on like the inverted triangle kind of shape um, ah. <clears throat> of the torso because he had a bit of a fixation with uh, torsos, didn't he? That makes sense, yeah. I haven't been reading about that the other day. So do you want to hear my trivia? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I'm I'm going to probably get a lot of these names wrong, so I apologise in advance for any uh, I don't think you're going to insult any serial killers by getting their names wrong. (laughs) Well, there you go. There is that. True or false, Leonardo (laughs) Cianciulli believed human sacrifice would protect her son when he joined the army. True. She murdered... Wait, ha- oh. haven't finished yet. <laughs> Sorry. Good oh, there's more. To come. She murdered three women, boiled their bodies, and turned them into soap and tea cakes. I mean, soap and tea cakes. That's there's a there's a big difference between the. Ooh, uh, true. Just because it's so wild, is it? It is indeed true. This oh. happened in 1939, and she would literally like. You know, she would boil these bodies and then use various components to, one, make soap, which, okay, because, you know, fat, but also to make tea cakes. Oh, my God. With the I f- thought tea cakes were ah. sweet. But, oh. Next okay, question. Next one. Um, Joe Metheny would gut his victims before mixing their flesh with non-human animal meat to make burger patties which he then sold on his fast food stand. I think I might have heard about this guy or something similar. I'm going to go true. If it's not, someone else has. Is it true? It is true. Ah. Um, And he claimed to have killed and used the flesh of 13 people, although uh, police could only find evidence for five. And he also later said that sometimes he would feel guilt when he saw kids eating his burgers, but then he would blame the parents. He would shift it by blaming the parents for being stupid enough to buy them. Being stupid enough to buy their kid a burger. See, the level of justification and delusion is real. And that's a fascinating little point there that you touched on. Police could only find evidence. And sometimes it's that. I listened to a podcast called The Nobody Zone. 
And it's based on an Irish serial killer in London. And it is mind-blowing, mainly because, first of all, there wasn't any concern about whether there was a serial killer or what was happening to people who were dying. Because he was homeless and his victims were. And the idea of this was that the nobody zone is that place where people fall into that nobody's looking for them. Nobody notices that they're gone and nobody really cares when they die. And so his victims were all homeless people who mainly were drug addicts, alcoholics. People didn't know their name. They didn't work. They didn't have ID. They fell into this nobody zone category. And so, and a lot of, or at least some, a, a portion of the serial killers that you come across and talk about, they go after that type of victim because the reality is no one will go looking for them. Unless that is to be cool. No yeah. one will miss them. The prioritisation that we can put on on someone who has a family coming and looking for them versus someone who doesn't. I mean, you can understand it from a very rational human aspect. Yeah. Um, but the it's, pressure it's being put on. But it's sad. Oh, wow, there's actual disposable human beings, really? Okay, this is my my third and final trivia okay. for today. Issy Sagawa, a Japanese student studying in France, was caught dumping the half-eaten remains of a female classmate in a lake. He was caught uh, by the police and sent back to Japan, but he was never tried for his crime when he got home because... Um, he basically became a celebrity. In an interview, he claimed, I like ill-tempered women. I like a woman who swears and belches. And when I see that in one person, I cannot help but wonder what she might taste like. True or false? With some fava beans and a Chianti. <laughs> um, had to go there. I, I, again, I think I've heard this. I don't know how much of it is true if a portion... Of, I'm going to say true as well. The vast majority of that is true. Right. So uh, he he was never tried and he did become a celebrity. Um, he starred on TV shows. He became no. a food critic. He wrote like 10 no. books that became bestsellers. I'm and, sorry, um, a man who was caught. So he was caught dumping remains. Sent yeah. back to Japan and he became a celebrity that was then on TV and everything else. But nobody ever like thought to go, hang on, this is the dude that was dumping remains in a lake in France. So I think they knew he became a food critic and everything. And he he stated this in an interview much later on. He thought about eating women. The only part of this that is false is that yeah. he didn't say he liked ill-tempered women who swear and belch. Oh, God, he you said, just did that to scare me. Did you? Well, yeah. Because I thought I'm next. Well, exactly. And this will just confirm that, you know, we've got nothing to worry about. We would have been safe around uh, Sagawa. He actually said, I like elegant women. I like intelligence and beauty. And when I'm able to see that in one person, I can't help but wonder what she might taste like. I mean, great. (laughs) No longer sexy. (laughs) I thought I was in for a great time. Wrong. What's your trivia? What you got? Right, okay. So um, I'm excited to hear these. 
Mine are very straightforward. First question is, Abigail, what is the minimum number of kills a serial killer must make in separate events to be considered a serial killer? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to guess because I have no idea. Um, Is it three? Close. It's two. Wow. So I suppose any more than one, really, once you go into the two plus in separate events, you're a serial killer. But I was quite surprised. Yeah, I guess, you know, murder one person. That's quite a feat. You're a murderer. Murder two. You're a serial killer. Who murdered and mutilated prostitutes in London in 1888? Oh. Very famous. I went to see theatre production uh, of that. Um, Did you? Actually, no, it wasn't. It was somebody who was murdering prostitutes in Suffolk. Uh, Yeah, I don't. Which I think is someone different, or maybe it wasn't. I went to see a theatre production about a really famous killer who was murdering prostitutes all in one area, and I wonder if it's this. I do not recall any names. Jack the Ripper. Oh, Jack the Ripper. God, should have got that one. Yeah. It's just we know Jack the Ripper and we don't always know what his story was. So, yeah, he... Did you say a date? 1888. (laughs) Yeah, so... I honestly heard 1988 or I wanted to hear 1988. Oh, no. 1888. Uh, Jack the Ripper. He was killing people. That would have been a big clue. (laughs) It, I thought it was, yeah. I was wondering when you said about the Suffolk thing, I went, I do think I know that, but I think it might have been more in our lifetime than 130 years ago, you know? Cool. Well, well, well played. Um, who's known as Dr. Death? I don't know. That's Harold Shipman. And Harold Shipman was... Ooh, um, yeah. Yeah, he creepy, creepy man. He they reckon he had about two hundred and fifty victims. He was the one that was a doctor that basically used to, as far as I can gather, use euthanasia basically, just or make things go wrong and kill people. Um, it reminds me. I'm thinking about this <clears throat> this nurse who's been in the, the uh, news a lot. This um, uh, pediatric nurse. I won't go into it on this true yeah. crime podcast that is all about true crime. Right. Which serial killer was killed by his fellow prison inmate? I should probably give you a date. Uh, 1994. Oh, um, this must have happened multiple times, right? Because I'm sure I read something recently. Yeah, well, you did because we've been talking about this person. And if you were reading about him. I love that in this trivia right now, it's just exposing how utterly clueless I am about this topic. Yeah, it's brilliant. We've just done a um, whole podcast on it. We're at the end know. and now we're realising that Abby knows nothing. We've been talking about him the whole thing. No, I, I get, I got the Jeffrey Dahmer bit. Yeah, that's him, him, but, him. Oh, there's that was. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Well done. Next Yay! question. Thank you. All right. Last question is: How old is the world's youngest serial killer? Oh, I don't know if I want to know the answer to this one. No, I did not want to know this, but I'm I'm going to share it. I don't know. Tell me. Eight. Eight years old. Oh abs. no. 
Eight years all killed three people. What, family members? Yeah. Abusive family members? Young. No. Kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I don't want to know. Yeah. Like, hardcore. Um, Basically killed two people in short succession and the family weren't sure if he had something to do with it. And then a year later, the same thing happened and they were like, definitely, we need to report this nine-year-old. That's, do you know what, that makes me think about what we were talking at the beginning, talking about at the beginning of this podcast, nature versus nurture. Yeah, again, don't know a story, don't know, but it's like, it's that scary thing, isn't it? You try and figure it out in the same way as you try and figure out anything, because we have this need to understand, if we understand, maybe we can prevent it happening around us and to us and and it just doesn't work like that an awful lot of life I think when it comes to certainly people's heads are just they they are enough to be understood yeah and for anyone listening who's ever questioned their own sanity or wondered if they're a bit um sick for enjoying true crime like reading about it or watching series or films or just consuming like horror as a genre in general all weirdos we're wired biologically to look for it and there's a survival um instinct and reason behind it so you carry on and understand it so you can fight fight crime and save the world (laughs) you will enjoy watching the rest of the jeffrey dharma series which by the way i now want to watch very hard to watch very okay. very hard to watch um and weirdly enough it's because he forms a relationship we want to simplify things we want to we want that very biased view on evil and good you know yeah. bad and yeah. good um the idea that there would be good in the evil is too hard to comprehend yeah and when you watch a series like that where it's oh, I'm starting to feel sorry for him now and I really, that's just not right. I feel bad for that. I feel confused for that. I feel uncomfortable for that. In your mind, they are a monster and they have done, you know, undoubtedly, uh, this is not opinion, this is just fact, they have done monstrous things. Absolutely. We've got a Halloween episode next week, haven't we, Jen? Spooky season. Yeah, it's officially mid-October. My God, where is this year going? Next week is the first of hopefully uh, many where we will discuss more spooky shit. I love spooky shit. We're doing two weeks in a row of, of, uh, of freaky stuff. I think Thanks that wraps this up. I think we've I think we've done a, enough of the the L serial killer dissection. Ha! Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't intentional either. Well done. <laughs> that rounds us up nicely. Thanks very much for listening. Um, Thank you. It's been a, a pleasure. Write to us and let us know what you think. Um, Stories at noonaskedpod.com. That's the one. If you've only just started listening, thank you. 
please go back and listen to previous episodes get to know us a little bit better we're figuring this out as we go along we probably do need to do more get to know us episode but that's coming it's all coming we'll figure it out anyway you know thanks know for us. listening I'm going to stop waffling now because I'm talking 90 miles an hour for three cups of coffee while we've recorded this and I'm still talking Abby please sign us out bye bye bye